177 of the Art Jacob Do America podcast. I am your host today, in the place to be, Mr. Jacob P. And sitting right across from me is the brown recluse, Mr. Art Trail. Art, say hello to the millions. And millions. What's up, you goddamn killer clowns? Um, Guys, if you've noticed that there's a lot of clowns in your neighborhood, please do not open the door for them. But <laughs> what you can do is go to cavemancoffee.com. Check out their entire inventory of coffee. Their hibiscus tea is delicious. I was recently on a, uh, an episode of the Slumbusters podcast, and that dude was drinking some pumpkin spice coffee in front of my face. Um, and uh, it was—I uh, never tried that one. But you guys should go to their um, to the uh, K-Man Coffee website and try some of that. Try their hoodies, try their hats, try their beanies, try their uh, caveman coffee condoms that they have, and uh, <laughs> type in America at checkout to receive 15% off. That 15% goes towards helping this podcast grow, and it also shows them that you guys are interacting with us, so take a picture of yourself drinking that coffee, and take a picture of yourself in that hat and that hoodie and wearing the caveman coffee condom. <laughs> Um, whatever. <laughs> Send that to Art because I ain't trying to see that, man. Just post it on your personal Instagram and then tag us and tag them. Jesus <laughs> is gonna do it. I know Jesus is gonna do it. Yeah. But um, but guys, yeah, no, seriously, that really goes a long way. It helps a lot, and um, we appreciate it. And speaking of sponsors, make sure you check out the great and powerful El Yucateco hot sauce. The guys, the kings of flavor since 1968. That is 50 plus years of Flavor Town. So uh, this hot sauce right here is about as old as that creepy uncle that you have in your family or Joe Rogan or both. I don't know. Uh, but right in front of me here, I have the black, which is my personal favorite. And to uh, my left, maybe you're right. I don't know how things like this work, like mirrors and shit. Magnets. How do they work? Um, to uh, my left is the triple X, which is Art's favorite hot sauce. And then to my right is the original red. Guys, you can put this on anything. I like last week. I recommended just you know what I was doing was putting a little bit of black and you know to ranch, you know like the ranch dipping sauce or on my salads. Like when I 
your boy's trying to lose some weight here. You know, I put that like, you know, uh, into my ranch dressing and put it on the salads and whatnot. I had a few of you guys reach out and give me, you know, your feedback on that. And you guys said you fucking absolutely loved it. So I like to present. No, I'm just kidding. I don't have an actual Art Jacob <laughs> Do America, you know, Black Elk Yucateco Ranch behind me. But, you know, a couple people were telling me that they loved it. A uh, friend of the show, Jesus, he was telling me how he put it in his crema. He, he put that in there and he said he absolutely loved it on his um, his carne or his bistec. It depends on what part of the... Uh, uh, the Yucatan you're from. But anyways, guys, you can put this on anything and it will enhance the flavor or you can mix it into your favorite sauce, such as ranch or barbecue, and you can enhance the flavor because I recently did that uh, with, you know, with some barbecue sauce because like, wow, this just takes like straight up ketchup. I don't know who the hell gave me this uh, barbecue sauce. So I put some red in that and ooh, ooh la la, it's muy bueno. So. Dude, there's a local restaurant here called Sancho's. Fucking amazing. I love that restaurant, but they don't have Elie Cateco, so you got to bring your own. Got to talk to those guys about fucking having Elie Cateco on deck so I don't have to bring my own. Or what you could do is go to their website. They don't exactly sell condoms at com, but what they do have That's is- a painful they, condom. Ooh, yeah. But what they do have is they have a holster, and you could put- <laughs> you can carry El Yucateco wherever you got to be. So if you're like one of those girls that carries a bottle of ranch with them everywhere they go in their purse, be that dude or that girl- or that non-binary person that has a whole... hand sanitizer needs to happen. That would probably kill the Rona. Yeah. I'm just saying. I bet you that triple X. If you run out of hand sanitizer, just try the triple X. Just, to, just, just, just try it. Let's just see what happens. It'll burn those herpes off. Yeah. Done. <laughs> no herpes, no mole. Uh, anyways, Art, do you want... <laughs> Once we get to herpes, we know we got to jump out. We got to tw- pivot away from that. But anyways... Okay. Guys, uh... Are we? Is this is this a Halloween episode? Are we in the Halloween world yet? I'm personally in the Halloween spirit. Like this, this, I'm in the spirit. I just wasn't sure if this episode landed. We'll say that this is the introduction to the Halloween town. Yes, Flavor Town, Halloween Town. El Yucateco opens the door to many towns, but this one opens up the door to <laughs> Halloween Town. Uh, this is a topic that Jacob had kicked around to me for a while, and like for some reason we hadn't gotten around to it. This is almost like a part two to an episode we did, like episode. 20 or whatever. I don't know. It was a long time ago. Like that. Long time ago. We did an Alistair Crawley episode and like, um, Jacob always wanted to do a follow up. I actually, this, this, this episode has been like in the works now, I would say for like the last like year or so. Yeah. It's been kicked around for a while. I think it was even kicked around for last Halloween. Um, but I just never got around to it. And like this episode, we, um, we had some scheduling issues and we're like, you know what? Fuck it. Let's fucking do it. Let's get this, Halloween party started right. Release the hounds. Yeah, and so, uh, Jacob, why don't you tell the people what this is all about? Yeah, so like Art alluded to earlier, um, we in our early years of the Art and Jacob Do America podcast, we covered the biography of Aleister Crowley. Um, kind of didn't do it too much justice because we also talked about the first week of the 2017 NFL football season or whatever. So, um, you know, if you want to know all the ins and outs about Aleister Crowley, either go to that episode or... Go to last podcast on the left <laughs> if you want to get the full bio or just read his Wikipedia. But Aleister Crowley is considered the most wickedest man to ever live. The great beast. 666. Six, six, six. Six. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's a good guy. Yeah. He's per- one of our personal heroes. He's got his uh, tattoo uh, on his left breast over there. I wouldn't say he's a personal hero, but I do like a lot. of. I like the cut of his gif. Okay. If, and if you will. So, <laughs> and so with all of that said... Um, I didn't want to just go back and like just redo an episode where we just cover the 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 whole biography of Alistair Crowley. 
Uh, I just wanted to talk about his influence on music because that's how I was introduced to him. And right here in front of me, I have this two VHS set called Hell's Bells, The Dangers of Rock and Roll. And last year, we kind of covered a similar topic where we were talking about backmask music, mm-hmm. where you know people were finding satanic satanic messages. That was last year already? That was last year, sir. Damn, time flies. And that's where I, that they talk in depth about that on this uh, VHS series here. And, you know, they brought up, you know, a figure that, you know, recommended that artists do that, Aleister Crowley, where in one of his many, if not hundreds or thousands of publications that he's written, he suggests that you think both backwards and forwards. And this had a profound influence on many musical artists from the 1960s going forward. So I thought, hey, why don't we dig deep into that niche area of the Aleister Crowley lore, if you will. Yeah, definitely. I mean, he's big. He's a big guy. Literally and figuratively. Yeah. So um, if you don't want to go back and listen to episode 12, a quick recap in case you don't know who Aleister Crowley is. If you've been living under a rock your whole life or you were just born in February like my little baby. Uh, Aleister Crowley, um, I, would you call him like a magician? Not a magician like a, like David Copperfield or David Chris, Blaine. Chris Angel or David Blaine or anything like that. But he's kind of like a sorcerer, a modern-day sorcerer. Um, you know, partook in the occult, if you will. Uh, he's also like an uh, an author. Um, he was involved in many uh, secret societies, I believe. Uh, the Golden Dawn, uh, a lot of Masonic places, like quasi Masonic places. Uh, the big one that he's known for is the Ordo Temple Orientis, um, and he starts his own religion called uh, Thelema. Uh, which kind of takes philosophies and teachings from pretty much all over the world. Like basically anything that's anti-Christianity or parallel Christianity or anything that's that would have any alternative belief system to the Christian religion, that's what Thelema kind of incorporated within its religion. And real quick, I know we kind of covered it in the episode that we covered on his life, uh, but I kind of fit, I feel like, what led him to that path of like black magic and, you know, the dark world, if you will, is kind of like how he grew up. He grew up, you know, a, a rich kid. And that's what, that was like the first point in like my like nature versus nurture kind of thing where rich kids are always kind of a little off. Like you see people like Paris Hilton, Nicole Richie, they're all a little weird, if you will, you know, just they're not, they're not like you and I, you know, just a little out there, if you will. But then he also, at the same time, he loses his father at a very young age. Uh, kind of like, you know, John McAfee. Like, yeah, yeah. You notice, like, that's like that's a common theme with, like, with men. Like, when they lose their father, like, not just like, hey, Papa was a Rolling Stone and, you know, he just, you know, threw dick everywhere, but actually, like, passes away, that finality of it. You always see that, like, they, they, these men become eccentrics. Uh, he's also, you know, bisexual, uh, living in a time that, you know, pretty much frowned upon it and he grew up in a very um religious family where his own mother called him a beast and kind of shunned him from the family due to that fact so you kind of get a lot of these he's been rubbed the wrong way pretty much all of his life and even his family kind of disowned him at one point and sent him off to boarding school at a very young age you know it's funny during this time period there were a lot of secret societies that were being formed and i think that there was um already understand that secret societies 
played a role in like high society mm-hmm. and being a member of high society like his family was relatively wealthy there were things that were being formed in like uh skull and bones and things like that i think we've covered skull and bones when we did the um illuminati episode or whatever mm-hmm. like things like that and like the illuminati itself like him wanting to be part of something larger than that um i, I agree that whenever you have somebody that has time interest and money <laughs> like <laughs> like most people don't have all three of those yeah like most people if you if you can get two of those like that's already a big deal but this dude like had all three of them and it lets you like really explore a lot of things and like have gateways to things that most people wouldn't even if it's just something like black magic or whatever like oh i, I i've always thought of like man i want to go like be in new orleans for like a week and just like fuck around and see what's going on with like the voodoo culture down there of course i don't do it because i don't have that kind of money but if I did, like, if I had his kind of money and I can do that stuff, it'd be and, called like, Tuesday. Yeah, it'd be like I just want to explore it. I, I love one of the things you know I mentioned. Like, I, I love certain elements of him. Is um, he? We talked about sex magic on that episode, right? Mm-hmm. And like one of the things that has always like been like ingrained in my brain was um, the first time I went to see the band Tool, like it felt like a spiritual like moment in my life where it was just like damn i've never seen a live band be like that beautiful and like just felt really connected with like like on a spiritual level you know Mm -hmm. and i think that sometimes whenever you do things that are just full-on passion without thinking like just forget like forget like your humanity just like just go with it kind of thing and like things like music art in general i guess and like sex you could throw in there where it's like you know, you you forget about those things like when you're just going at it and it's just all passion. Mm-hmm. And like, it kind of makes sense like in a weird way. Like whenever you start hearing, like reading his like, his writings or whatever about like, some of it gets fucking weird because it's like getting like borderline bestiality and all this weird yeah. shit. <laughs> like some of it's like kind of out there, but like the principles of it, like the the blueprint of it, like I get what you're, I get what you're saying. It kind of makes sense. Mm-hmm. And I could see why musicians letting themselves go creatively would be attracted to something like this and he was very much like um a person that bucked the norms of society um where he was born i believe it was like in 1875 and at that time like you know it's that's a pretty conservative time frame and he actually lived through he lives through world war one and two which kind of gives birth to like the 1950s society and I, we all I was always taught like in school where it's like that's that what that's what kind of bore like you know the 60s you know the year of you know the the decade of the you know counterculture if you will because everything was a straight laced you know every everybody drove the same car everybody bought the same house there's like the atomic family if you will or whatever but that was also going on you know at England at the same time but at a much earlier earlier time frame and Aleister Crowley was just like not having that. He was just like, no, I'm not going to worship the God that you tell me to worship. I'm not going to wear the clothes you want me to to wear. I'm not going to think of people uh, the way you want me to think of people. Like I'm going to do my own thing. And you kind of see that like when his father died, he inherits like this massive wealth. You know, I guess they were like a brewing family. Like and like his father was also a priest. So like they had all of this money. And you talked about it like where he just had all this ability to go around the world. So, you know, he would spend like a month like in Mexico and he enjoyed like mountaining, like where he would like climb mountains and shit and and just enjoy nature on hikes, if you will. 
Um, you know, he went to India for some time. He went to China for some time. He went to South Africa for some time. Like he went to all of these places and would kind of like do like a spiritual buffet, like where he would take things that he liked from each and every culture and kind of incorporate it into his own belief system. That's that's actually kind of like badass. Like, yeah, I mean, that's exactly like what somebody with money would probably do. Mm-hmm. Once you have that interest and passion towards something like, of course, go travel. Like, I want to go like go to like Peru and like climb those mountains. That seems beautiful as hell. Yeah. Like, I'm jealous of that. And you mentioned too, like going to like a tool concert. And I totally agree. I saw, I got to see them in San Francisco where it's like you just, and you embrace like this spiritual moment, like where you're just, you're a part of everything kind of thing. But what I think separated like Aleister Crowley and like, you know, something like that is that no matter where he went, he wanted to be the leader of that movement. So whenever, you know, he got, you know, uh, initiated into the Golden Dawn, which is kind of like, you know, a Masonic group, if you were, it's a little mm-hmm. secret society. Like he he was uh, immediately trying to become like the head of that organization and change their rules. Now, the Golden Dawn was like a super like, you know, elitist group. Like I believe Bram Stoker was a member of there and whatnot. But like even then, like when he was a part of this like very esoteric, you know, group, like they even frowned upon him because he was a bisexual. And so he would like want to go in like wherever he was at and just kind of change the rules. Like even local Masonic temples, like go in and change like, you know, their rituals, if you will, or, you know, the their orders of, um, you know, their levels, like, you know, one, two, three, all the way to 33. Like he would try to rewrite the rules or whatever. So instead of like kind of being at one with everything, he would always like try to rewrite the rules to fit himself. Yeah, I mean, that's a little more of like that being just that rich, naughty kid, I think. Yeah. I think I think that that's kind of where it is. Did he have siblings? He did. I think one actually even died like when he was younger as well. So he's okay. got that scarring going on. Yeah, I <laughs> mean, he just seems like that kind of guy, like a lot of put the put the, put the the spotlight on me kind of guy. And mm-hmm. I think a, a lot of times wealth can do that to people. Mm-hmm. You know, you have Donald Trump. Donald <laughs> Trump is kind of like the modern day Aleister Crowley. <laughs> like, yeah. Like... That is a fair analysis. <laughs> like, you know, one depending on where you are in the spectrum, I, I think that, you know, you know, I, I don't know what Donald Trump is into, but he's 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 close. Can you see Donald Trump like spending his honeymoon in like the king's quarters of like a fucking great pyramid and then talking to fucking Horace? <laughs> you know he's into like some freaky shit. Like his wife is like forty years younger than him and shit. Yeah. Like you're telling me that guy's not a pedophile? Like he's a fucking pedophile. There's some <laughs> pedophile shit. Like <laughs> I'm not saying bestiality is okay. I'm just saying like bestiality and pedophilia are like neighbors and like that Donald Trump is probably knocking that neighbor's door off. I, I could definitely see <laughs> Fairly that. often. Uh, but anyways, um, he, he's a big partitioner and, you know, like you said, sex magic. So he does all these like freaky things or whatever. Uh, he's very into drugs. Um, I mentioned, you know, that, you know, he went into an Egyptian great pyramid and like the king's the main whatever right and he's trying to invoke like all these ancient spirits and this is how he comes up with the lima because like for days like he's trying to conjure up you know these like ancient gods and i believe like they get like his wife actually says like horus is waiting for you and so they go to like this local museum in cairo and they um they they're looking around for what she's seeing like in her visions and she's like, oh, there he is right there. And they come to this like obelisk thing. 
and it's exhibit number 666 and like that's how they know like that's what you know was speaking to him it was like this obelisk with horus on it and then they start speaking to like one of his messengers i believe his name is like i was hold on art's got to get my dogs out of the room Ah, just leave the dogs in. They want to hear about Aleister Crowley. <laughs> but anyways, you know, that's how they come up with the Lima is that, you know, he becomes basically, and it, it kind of mirrors like the story of like, you know, how the Bible is written, how the Quran is written. Like there's always like, you know, an angel or some messenger from heaven or the netherworld or whatever that, you know, t- instructs him to write out all these rules, you know, and this becomes, you know, the new holy book for the new age. So keep that in mind. And one of the, the the main rule or the only rule I think is do what thou wilt is the whole of the law, which comes into play many times. <laughs> I think like that's always a big thing for musicians to adopt as well. Like once you have the do out thou will, like it's it's a big thing. Like you see like dudes like Manson like adopt that later mm-hmm. on in, in like his music and like it it's it's such a like punk rock thing to to adopt you know like and for someone to say that like back in the 60s or whatever like once 60s like acid rock musicians started like hearing that phrase it's such a like attractive thing to adopt like mm-hmm. you're on that's it's the era of free love it's the era of drugs like the sex, sex drugs and rock and roll yeah, baby it's so easy to to adopt that and it's not a i don't think it's like a bad saying i just think like like, I mean, it depends on, like, what you're all about. Like, that, yes. you, like if the person is a bad person. If all you want to do is, like, crochet, yeah. like, yeah, do what thou wilt. But if all you want to do is, like, kill your neighbors like fucking Richard Ramirez, then probably not. <laughs> yeah, I think if somebody rephrased it and said something like, follow your bliss, they would probably, like, that phrase would probably go a long way. But it's not follow your bliss, it's do what thou wilt. <laughs> yeah. So if, like, murder is what you want to do, then... Nah, I probably yeah. probably don't want to. But yeah, yeah. like you said, a lot of like what's in you know the thalemic <laughs> religion that he set forth, and again the thousands of teach or thousands of writings that he's put out there because he basically went broke. He he squandered all of his fortune by self publishing like all of these works, if you will. Um, but those works found their hands into artists such as the Beatles, the Rolling Stones, Led Zeppelin, the Doors, quote-unquote, Ozzy Osbourne, Jay-Z, Beyonce, Kenneth Unger, the Red Hot Chili Peppers, Anton LaVey, Jack Parsons, L. Ron Hubbard, Roman Polanski, Timothy Leary, Iron Maiden, Stevie Nicks, Daryl Hall, like, the list goes on and on. You, you know, it's funny, like, I think modern-day, like, hip-hop artists are, like, who, let me think of one, um... Kendrick, Kendrick. Uh, well, I I don't I don't know if Kendrick is like into Alistair Crowley, but I was gonna say um, like Danny Brown. Like Danny Brown is a dude that's like very much like influenced by his work. Mm-hmm. Um, or like I love Death Grips. Death Grips. A lot of like even the tattoos that that like MC Wright has are like symbolisms from like the the Golden Dawn and all that. Like it it's it's not even like hiding it and not that you need to not that you need to like live in the shadows with it but it's like very very clearly an influence to to like the kind of lifestyle that they that they live like the i'll do a well what do, is it? do what <laughs> so, thou wilt yeah exactly that like 
there's a there's a line in like the very first Death Grips album on the very first Death Grips song like he keeps saying like I am the beast I worship. That's something that's like full on you would hear from like his writing. Like that's mm-hmm. not something that like he you you hide upon. Like he almost like looks to himself as like I am my own god. Like a f- like I don't fuck with whatever you're fucking with. And that's like the mo- like the 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 motus ombre under below. <laughs> the mo, <laughs> yeah, yeah, modus operandi of fucking you know anything that you know Aleister Crowley puts out there. They're like, yeah, you are your own god. Like you see that, I like I was telling you before we started recording. Like I went down this whole Beyonce rabbit hole. Like where her and Jay Z, like the last like five six years, like that's all they talk about is like they are their own god, if you will. And you know, from a Christian standpoint, I I grew up in like a very super religious household or whatever. Like all of this like circles back to like, oh, this is the devil. This is, you know, Lucifer, if you will. And like I always do with like every episode, I kind of try to see it from the eyes of every perspective as much as I can. And I was like, well, let me live in the eyes of like someone like a David Bowie, if you will, who was like very like in the mid 70s, very inspired by Aleister Crowley. And I was like trying to think like, okay, what what was the allure there, if you will? And a lot of it, like, is, like, okay, because a lot of these people, like, they actually do these practices. They do these um, conjurings or spells or uh, rituals, if you will. And I'm like, well, what's the point of it? Like, to me, like, that's just a lot of uh, extraness, I guess you could say. Like, it's just so, like, weird to me. And it's just like, why would you do that? And so I guess a lot of it has to do with like, oh, like they're trying to, you know, get to another a higher existence, if you will, like trying to be at their fullest potential. Like we're like the Christian religion in their eyes is seen like you're basically a slave, like you're a slave to whatever your God tells you to do. You're a slave to whatever your God says your potential is, whereas like the teachings of Aleister Crowley, like that's or anybody from the occult, because a lot of these like these teachings, these predate Aleister Crowley by centuries. It's just that yeah, he's, yeah. you know, combining them all together and putting them out there in his writings, if you will. But a lot of it is just like, okay, like, no, your potential is limitless so far as that you ask for enlightenment. That's the word I was trying to find. Where it's just like, hey, like, what's the point of summoning Balak from hell, if you will, or trying to, I believe one, um, you know, a ritual Crowley was trying to do, like, on his, at his house in Loch Ness, was he was trying to conjure his like uh, guardian angel, and in, for in order for you to do that, you had to conjure all fucking seventy five you know gatekeepers to hell, if you will. I and mean, you have to finish it, yeah. Which he didn't finish, and that's why that house was fucking is still haunted to this day. Um, and the purpose of that is like, hey, listen, I need to negotiate with you, you know, for my soul. Like, hey, quit fucking with me so I can be pure. You know, and even Ozzy talks about that in his song, Mr. Crowley. Like, did you think you were pure? Like, that's what he's getting at. So, like, when he's when you're doing all these rituals, the point of all this is, is to become a, a better person or a better machine, if you will. So, instead of being, like, a fucking Toyota Tercel, like you're fucking, you know, one of the Toyota Preludes from fucking, you know, Fast and Furious or a fucking Ferrari, if you will. So, it's all about, like, trying to find a better way to be a better person, and for an artist such like such as a David Bowie or a John Lennon, you know that really capsulate captivates them because they're trying to become better and better artists all the time. I think you know you use the word artist, and that's like perfect because I think that whenever someone is interested in the arts, 
you're always interested in not what you just see, smell, and touch. Like you always want to create something from the nothing, right? Mm-hmm. When we had uh, Ross Robinson on, he talked about how spiritual it gets whenever you're making music, mm-hmm. and I think that that's that's essentially what it is. Like what what is going to take you to that next level of like creating something from the nothing that's gonna like take you there, like. Mm-hmm. And I think that, you know, putting yourself in that perspective of like, like, don't search for it outward. Like, don't just be like, oh, you know, Rage Against the Machine just writing songs about like, you know, they killed MLK because like he spoke out on Vietnam and like all this stuff, you know, like that's cool and all. Like, I like Rage Against the Machine, but it's very much outward, outward reflections of like society as opposed to going inward and like trying to find that thing that no one on earth like else can get because it's coming from you and no one else in the world is you Mm -hmm. and i think that that's kind of like that's a much more difficult thing to to achieve and i think that that's what something like a david bowie or even like a beyonce or whatever like like whatever it may be like a danny brown like if you're just trying to find that thing that is your your thumbprint like that's that's you and you're trying to create the most pure version of your art like you know you would probably seek seek from seek help from like whatever it may be not necessarily a, a religion but it's like what's going to help you get to that next level like you always hear about like you know in sports like oh he dug down deep you know to get that final gust of fucking energy to you know yeah, come yeah. back in the fourth quarter if you will and it's the same thing with artists like where do you keep how do you where do you keep digging from that well to keep being creative like I was like when I went down the David Bowie rabbit hole like I was like fuck this guy was putting out a classic album every single year we know how hard it is just to even put his out. last album was fucking amazing. Black, Black Star, Star. it's oh, amazing. Yeah, yeah. I was listening to that um, two days ago, and I was like, "What the? Like this guy just was relevant all throughout the years." And we know how hard it is just to put together, you know, a podcast every day, every week, if you will. Like this guy's putting out fucking life changing music that yeah. stands the test of time. Like how much pressure <laughs> there's got to be to be there. So, um. I guess we can kind of start off, you know, with like the Beatles, because I feel like whenever you talk about this, because to me, this all kind of starts in the 60s, like the counterculture with the Beatles. Um, the 1950s are pretty much like that straight lace, you know, everything is the same kind of thing. And the whole 60s was like a rebellion of that, where it's just like, hey, no, I'm going to be my own person and no other artists represented that better, in my opinion, than the Beatles. And right off the top you got sergeant pepper's lonely hearts club and with alistair collie on the cover yeah he's on the top um the top row i believe second to the left and um they talked about like you know when they were coming up with that cover i believe paul paul mccartney was he was saying that like he came up with the concept of you know kind of killing out the whole like pop boy band image of the beatles and kind of reinventing themselves but for in order for them to do that they kind of had to bleed out, you know, their inspirations onto this cover. That's why you see like a funeral procession at the bottom of, you know, the album cover or whatever. And that's how you get like all these Paul is dead kind of things. But that's where they were going artistically with it. They were trying to kill the old boy band, Justin Bieber, beginning of the career guys. And they wanted to be these whole other, you know, artistic guys that you got, that you, you could take seriously 30 years from now. And so, he said that like all these artists that were on the cover were all people that inspired them or were hopeful inspirations, you know, to be better artists. And of course, 
Crowley is on the top left um, of that. Yeah. And so, I mean, I guess I just don't think he's like that weird. We, I think, I don't know if we did it for an episode or if it was like a Patreon episode that we talked about. Um, I was watching this Elvis impersonator, like talk about like trying to reach like the most purest form of his art. Mm-hmm. And like, and that's, I saw that like back in like 2002, but it's always stuck with me because it's kind of true. Like the most purest form of your art is, is going to be individual. Like if you want to be an Elvis impersonator, that's your journey. Or if you want to become like a rapper or whatever, like some SoundCloud rapper or like whatever, maybe not everyone grows up to be like Maynard from tool and does that yeah. whole thing. And like it, it's in it, like whenever you hear someone saying those things, like it, it just strikes a chord, I think. And like, the Beatles, the the Beatles in, embodied that from like doing the like, can I hold your hand or like I want to hold your hand. Like it's mm-hmm. yeah, I agree. It's super poppy, and like as you grow older and you have more influences, and all of a sudden like, like you want to do something that's different from your from your core, like that experimentation. Like you know, hearing something like you know, just basically do whatever the fuck you want to do because mm-hmm. you know you are your own master, like gives you that gateway of like yeah now i want to do like this crazy like song with like indian influences and psychedelic drugs and all this shit like hell yeah i'm gonna do that and like back masking there's a ton of back masking on that album oh yeah so it's like yeah of course like and a lot of people like they would try to decipher like okay who who put who on you know the cover like obviously the indian gurus that was all george if you will like some of the comedians or actors that were on there like it's that gotta was gotta be paul. john lennon that I'm was gonna... paul and then the like the people like crowley and I that's believe, what i mean like i think crowley is like john lennon and it was because in 1980 um john lennon one of his last interviews he did you know with some reporter or whatever and he goes well that was like the the whole basis of the beatles right he said it's just do what thou do whatever you want in the name of peace and love and he, he like he says it he doubles down on it again, he goes, Do what thou wilt and that's pretty much you know the yeah. only law of Thelema right there. Yeah. I could see that. I mean John Lennon was clearly like the most like outspoken he seemed like kind of an asshole sometimes. Mm-hmm. I, I like John Lennon's music, but he kinda seems like an asshole a lot of times. Self absorbed kind of thing. <laughs> yeah, like one of those people that Which kinda reminds me of Crowley. <laughs> yeah, I mean self absorbed, not willing to like compromise compromise and like i was there's this audiobook i don't know if i told you about that audiobook about like how they were it's called love is not enough which is the title Mm -hmm. of a nine chanel song it kind of compares like trent reznor's like like image of who he is of like this like total like chaos drug addicted dude that like cleans up his life and like is like the perfect dad now who like stops the band to like be with his family and like creates a band like a side project band with his wife and like it's everything that John Lennon couldn't do because, like, uh-huh. John Lennon was like, "I'm John Lennon. Like, I'm like my kids are not as important uh, as I am. I'm bigger than Jesus. Like, yeah, like, like his kids were just not like priority to him. Like, he was just not that guy. And like, that's basically what the book's about. <laughs> oh, that sounds interesting as yeah. shit. But yeah, but um, yeah, there's even a theory that's been floated out there that actually Sergeant Pepper, the whole album is a dedication to uh, Aleister Crowley. Um, the first lyrics that pop up on Sergeant Pepper is 20 years ago today, Sergeant Pepper taught us how to play. Now, 20 years previous to Sergeant Pepper being released, 1960, 1967, 
1947, Aleister Crowley passes away. So almost to the day, actually, too. Like when they start recording, like when you look at the timeline of like when Aleister Crowley passed away, I believe it was December 1st, 47, and the Beatles start recording December 1st, 1967, you know, uh, this album or whatever, or it's released on that day. Somehow, some way, like it it correlates to being almost 20 years to the day, like when Aleister Crowley passes away. And I was like, I thought that was super interesting. Is that what it was about? No, because obviously it's about, you know, Paul is dead, right? But... (laughs) But um, I thought there was some other weird things like with the Beatles as well. Like I think it's the most lighthearted. But uh, one of um, Danny Danny Lane, uh, former guitarist for Wings, which was like Paul's band after the Beatles, said that both Paul and Linda were heavily into the occult during the 70s and that, you know, during performances of Helter Skelter, they would flash images of Aleister Crowley out to the crowd. Now, Helter Skelter is famous for being, you know, on the White Album and was a heavy influence for Charles Manson um, saying that, they, hey, that song was talking to me, instructing me to, you know, pretty much carry out like this race war, where, which saw like all these murders and shit. Yeah. I mean, you know who else has crazy imagery? <laughs> the rapper Future. That guy has fucking crazy imagery. I don't know. I mean, yeah, of course, he's probably into the occult. I mean, he's an artist. Like, you want to fucking shock the audience like mm-hmm. if you just go up there and like do some like fucking Coldplay bullshit kind of music then yeah that's boring as hell yeah like to me that's like of course i want to see something entertaining i want to see something that like that i don't see every day i want to like be taken out of i want to see like the world from your eyes now mm-hmm. that to me is like what makes like artist artist yeah otherwise it's like take that Coldplay bullshit <laughs> out of here i'm not Train. trying to see that creed creed yeah those I'm trying to think of like newer bands that suck dick, but like, yeah, Coldplay is the only thing that comes to mind. Yeah. So speaking of Coldplay, um, the next band that I have on this list is Led Zeppelin, who kind of get their start in in the late '60s in 1969, and they actually started off as a band um, called the New Yardbirds, which was like a big mm-hmm. band in the uh, the '60s during the you know counterculture revolution. Um, Fuck, they've had every single badass guitar player in the Yardbirds. It was like Eric Clapton, I believe Jeff Beck, and then Jimmy Page was also in the Yardbirds. But they re- kind of form into, they morph into Led Zeppelin. And uh, speaking of Jimmy Page, he was, now, you know, the Beatles, We you know, this is kind of undercover. Like, where it's just like, oh, we're seeing clues of, like, the occult. Like, there's, you know, hand gestures, like, on the covers of, like, Yellow Submarine that John's throwing up, like, the... El Coronado, which is like the heavy metal sign and whatnot. Like even the peace sign, I guess, um, is said to have been started by Aleister Crowley. Like he invented it and gave it to Winston Churchill because there's a big theory that um, Aleister Crowley was a secret agent for the British government. Um, But Jimmy Page didn't keep it a secret. Like he was in the occult. Like he even had a bookstore uh, in his hometown called the Equinox, which was named after one of Aleister Crowley's books. So it was an occult bookstore at that as well. So mm-hmm. um, at the beginning of like Led Zeppelin coming together, uh, they also performed like some like ritual, some occult ritual that all members except for one, John Paul Jones, took part of, which kind of comes in towards the end, like when Led Zeppelin uh, disbands. And there's kind of a a theory that there's like this Led Zeppelin curse and that the only person that kind of survived that curse was John Paul Jones because he didn't take part in that occult ritual. So, Hmm, interesting. Yeah, I mean, 
He lives in Alistair Crawley's house at one point, doesn't he? Uh, Bolskin house on the Lake Loch Ness or whatever. Yeah, I mean, he lives That's the house they like where he invoked like all 75 demons at. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he lives there and like there's a cool that house like has burnt down like 10 times already. Um mm-hmm. it's still standing though, but um it keeps getting rebuilt. I believe like it first burned down like like during a church service cuz I think it used to actually be a church and like yeah. all the parishioners like were inside when it happened. Yeah, I mean, it's cool. Like it's it's like it's got like great uh great view of the lake. <laughs> uh, <laughs> But it, it is it is they definitely don't hide it and and Led Zeppelin in general is like, you know, early versions of like heavy metal. Like mm. I don't know I don't know it depends. That's a whole different conversation. Of like when heavy metal was born, but they're a very early version of heavy metal and like the things that heavy metal would would very much adopt and like those darker occult elements mm. still to this day like. Like even on, even last year when we did like the Basque Max episode, like there's several instances like Stairway to Heaven, like there's all these like backmasked quote unquote messages, and they're like, "Oh my sweet Satan, six 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 yeah, and all of the members have denied that, but it's kind of like wasn't that in um, Hotel California? Yeah, Hotel California. Yeah. Well, that's the Eagles. Yeah, but. yeah, I know, but but I think that. That one was really interesting, like that back mask. I think about that one from time to time. Yeah. And it's kind of like one of those things where like all the members kind of deny that. Like mm-hmm. Robert Plant and Jimmy Page all both said like it's hard enough to like write these songs going forwards. Like nonetheless, like trying to put a fucking message in there backwards. But like trying to piggyback off what you were saying earlier about like digging deeper within yourself and like, go, you know, f- trying to find other ways of creativity like who's to say like some other spiritual being like you're living in the house where Aleister Crowley never finished or closed out his ritual. And, you know, maybe that spirit that gave you like that inspiration or that, you know, the ability to write all of those classic songs or lyrics, if you will, what if they're the ones putting that message in there? I don't know. Cause I don't fuck with shit like that, but it, it, it lends itself to, you know, <laughs> the lore of Led Zeppelin, if you will. Yeah, it does. And then um, one thing, too, like they, they straight up, you know, put up on one of the records is on Led Zeppelin 3. So I actually own the one of the first original pressings of Led Zeppelin 3. I'm going to show the camera right here. And um, etched, carved right into the vinyl. And this is only on the first pressings of this is actually um, that only law of Thelema that Crowley wrote is uh, do what thou wilt. So I'm going to bust this out right here. Right there. So I'll let you see it right there. Where is it? It's written in cursive right there. Oh, is it on the actual vinyl? Mm-hmm. Like oh, carved okay. right in there. I think I see it, yeah. Yeah, it says, do what thou wilt on, you know, side one. And then on side two, it said, so mote, so mote be it. And, you know, we know what, you know, do what thou wilt is. You know, that's written, you know, by Aleister Crowley in uh, the book of the law. The book of the I can't even talk right now. Fucking Aleister got a fucking spell on me. Yeah, man. (laughs) The book of the book of the law. Um, It's written in there. Um, And then so mote be it or what it actually should say is, is so mote it be, which in witchcraft is supposed to be said at the end of every spell. So like at the end of any like Christian prayer you always say amen to kind of close out you know your communication and so um so mote b is a way to close out any spell kind of to do like what alistair Crowley didn't do at that bullskin house is kind of what you're doing at the end of this so it's kind of like saying let it be yeah 
<laughs> to bring the Beatles right back into this. Uh, but a lot of, you know, during like that satanic panic, a lot of people were like, well, what the fuck? If you play fucking Led Zeppelin 3, like, are you basically like, you know, playing a bunch of like occult rituals and fucking prayers and shit? And like, they're, you're, as soon as the record ends, like on side two where it says, so mote it be, like, are you closing out like some witchcraft spell or some shit? And it's, it's weird because like, I can see like Jimmy Page, like comedically putting that on the record mm-hmm. just to have like that hysteria be out there. But I mean, for the most part, Led Zeppelin three, like is like a lot of happy songs and shit on there. So I don't really see that being the case, but it is something that kind of plays in the back of your mind. And I haven't really played this vinyl just because of it after learning that mm-hmm. because of this fucking hell's bells fucking VHS right here. But I always thought like that was super interesting that he would have like, and Led Zeppelin is like one of the best selling artists of all time that you would have like literally thousands of records playing out there simultaneously, just playing all these spells of in witchcraft, if you will. Yeah, no, it's super interesting. I mean, it, it, I think it's cool that they're influenced by that kind of thing. Like even, even like musicians that are influenced by directors and, and like movies and cinema, like you start to like, you start to see that, like, see it in their music i guess and mm-hmm. I, I love that element you you definitely hear a little like witch vibe-ish like stairway to heaven sounds very like witch like you were talking about in the previous episode about like how like some of the things that i like in halloween movies are like the just the feel of the movie right mm-hmm. and like that's that's one of the things that i've always looked for in music in general like like I want to hear like the feel of this music. Like yes, you can be a great guitar player or whatever, but like that doesn't necessarily like equal. Just sports, I guess. Like like <laughs> gymnastics. I'm the, I'm the fastest, like greatest shredder, and like it just it means nothing, right? It's just a, ro- a robot could do that. Yeah, you know like that's not what we're trying to create here. We're trying to create something like create evokes those feelings Mm. whether it be like just mystery like a sound can create a sense of mystery like Mm -hmm. that that is super interesting to me Mm -hmm. and i think led zeppelin does that really really does a really good job with that and it's funny you bring up uh movies and you know how they inspire artists if you will uh early on early on in led zeppelin's career as well like in conjunction with this ritual that i was talking about where the Led Zeppelin curse comes into play, a fellow occultist and movie director, underground movie director, and fellow 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 follower of Aleister Crowley, and an actual, I guess, Thelemite, I guess you can call him, um, is director Kenneth Unger, or Anger, or however you pronounce his name. Uh, he's, he made uh, movies, you know, kind of like Scorpio Rising, uh, Lucifer Rising, Invocation of My Demon Brother, like all these like super like occultish, like movies, if you will. And, um, his name actually comes up a lot here. You know, he's a, you know, an LA director and he actually commissions at the beginning, um, Jimmy page to score, uh, his, one of his movies, Lucifer rising and Kenneth Anger's movies are, they're really like short, short films, if you will. Like they're always like 20 minutes, 30 minutes or whatever. And they're very avant-garde, and it's basically just him, like, documenting, like, you know, uh, occult rituals and shit. And it's to the background of music. I think Scorpio Rising is probably, like, his best movie because it, like, uses, like, a lot of pop 
pop music, you know, to show like uh, the the counterculture of like biker gangs, uh, you know, Satanists, uh, you know, hippies, uh, you know, drug drug use, like sex magic and shit like that. But he uses like like a Shirley Temple song, like like while they're doing like a <laughs> yeah. fucking uh, sex magic ritual, if you will. It's, it's very super interesting. And like watching those, and then like watching those high is like takes it to like a whole other level. But um, he actually commissions Jimmy Page, you know, because they become friends, you know, uh, bidding on Aleister Crowley's, you know, artifacts, you know, at some auction in England, if you will. And he actually says like, "Hey, why don't you score this movie that I have? Um, I'm I'm talking to Mick Jagger to play Lucifer, uh, if you will. So you know, it's gonna be it's gonna be this big thing. Like you should attach your name to." And so Jimmy Page like kind of is like, all right, like I guess like I got this band Led Zeppelin that you know I gotta <laughs> kind of gotta write music for and go on world tours with and shit. But I'll see what I can do for it. So he commissions him to write forty minutes of music for this, but he only after three years comes up with like twenty five minutes. And so they have like this big falling out. I believe one of them's living at the other's house. I want to say Kenneth was living at Bolskin House on Lakes of Loch Ness, mm-hmm. and Jimmy Page's like wife like throws her throws him out, and like they have like this big scuffle on the front lawn, if you will. And then Kenneth Unger, who's like more into the cult than Jimmy Page, actually casts like another spell upon Jimmy. Now, after all of this happens, like this is like where the Led Zeppelin curse comes into a bigger effect. Jimmy Page becomes very addicted to heroin to a point where it's just like you can see like after this moment in their career, like they're throwing out hitters like Led Zeppelin one's good. Led Zeppelin two is good. Led Zeppelin three is good. Led Zeppelin four is like one of the best albums of all time. And then after like a certain point, like Jimmy Page just gets so consumed with heroin. It's just like the music just because he's like the sole creative force behind the music of Led Zeppelin. Like everything just kind of starts to take a nosedive to where like by the like 1980, 80 or 79 like all the music is pretty much being written by john paul jones which is kind of like it sounds like genesis or like fucking um phil collins at this yeah, point yeah. where it's just like oh i can't get into this it's lost this edge or if you will uh but during the same time robert plant you know he like gets into this really bad car crash he almost dies a couple months later his son just mysterious like his five-year-old son just mysteriously dies like without any indication of how what when or why and then in 1980 uh john bonham you know the the drummer for led zeppelin he actually chokes on his vomit in his sleep and dies at jimmy page's house so that's where that whole curse comes into play um yeah yeah. but one interesting thing that i kept seeing that's either never been confirmed nor denied is that led zeppelin they were all in the house you know when john john bonham passed away and some accounts say that while they were trying to resuscitate John John Bonham, Jimmy Page was actually doing like some occult um, fucking ritual above his like dying body, like to kind of conjure his spirit into somebody else to get like his creativity to pass on to somebody else. And I was just like, wow, that is super crazy. Like you've choked on this podcast. Like, I can't see, like, oh, fuck, man. Art might be dying. Like, <laughs> there's something I can do to help him. <laughs> but instead of fucking, like, <laughs> smacking him on his back and trying to get him to come too, like, I'm going to do this fucking crazy-ass ritual to fucking put yeah, the yeah. comedy of Art Trail into my <laughs> dog over here. So, like, all of that stuff, though, like, isn't that just life? Like, I feel like that's life over, like, if you name, like, a popular rock band, right? Like, uh-huh. and you have, like, like I was, I was watching this like short documentary on like Lynn from um, 
from uh, Allison Chains and like mm-hmm. how like his life was, and apparently he was pretty aware that he was gonna die. Like his mom was like trying to get him like to like get his life together. Like it just seems like whenever you're young and you're dumb and you're experimenting with like sex, drugs, and rock and roll, like mm-hmm. bad things are gonna happen. And it seems like during that time period, like a lot of bad things happened to a lot of people. Like like you know that's that whole like the curse of the 27 curse or whatever where like everybody was dying yeah. at age 27 like it was just bad times like Jimi hendrix and uh jim morrison like all these people were just like janice joplin just self-destructing really mm-hmm. like i don't know if there was a curse as much as like there was just like a lack of self-care self-care and like not a big understanding of what drugs can do for you do to you in long long term mm-hmm. um you brought up, um, you know, all that, uh, the the twenty seven curse or whatever, and um, going back to Kenneth Unger, and um, that whole scene like with Mama Cass or whatever choking on a fucking sandwich and passing away or whatever, yeah. like that whole that's Holly- gonna be me, dude. <laughs> no, I'm gonna pa- I'm gonna fucking choke on a fucking bean burrito from Taco Bell. <laughs> it's gonna be my death right there. <laughs> But um, that whole Hollywood scene was very tightly connected too. So they were all kind of burning out with e- with each other at that same time. Like the whole counterculture, yeah. I believe. Like everything from like San Francisco down to like Hollywood, like they were so close as a like a a creative community. And going back to Kenneth Unger, he was when he was trying to film Lucifer Rising. Like every man that he would meet, like he would try to christen them Lucifer. Like, oh, you are Lucifer, and so like you would have like that gentleman stay with him and like <laughs> kind of condition him to be, you know, Lucifer, or whatever. And so like, like all these men like came and went as Lucifer. Like this movie literally started like in the sixties. I don't think it got released till like nineteen eighty. You would be like Shia LaBeouf, and, like Shia LaBeouf. <laughs> Shia LaBeouf, you are a Lucifer, sir. <laughs> He's like, all right, He's a, I'm a method actor, so I'm gonna have to like really get into this role here <laughs> he buys like a fucking uh red pajama fucking yeah. devil suit or whatever that's that's how we feel about Shia LaBeouf, Shia LaBeouf sucks dude. yeah listen to our patreon episode and you'll hear our spill about <laughs> Shia LaBeouf but uh anyways he finally comes like he finally lands on his actual Lucifer and it's actually a gentleman named Bobby Busuwe and you if you've been listening to this podcast for some time or if you listen to the seven hour podcast we did on Charles Manson Bobby Boussoulet pretty much kickstarts like the Manson murders when he kills like his friend um, uh, Ben Henson or something like that. And like that kind of kicks off like the Manson murders as well because, again, with the whole curses and shit, um, Kenneth Anger, true to his name, Anger or whatever, uh-huh. him and Bobby Boussoulet get into like this big fucking argument. Bobby steals some of the film for Lucifer Rising, uh, gives it to his friend who buries it in a ranch and for in order for Kenneth to get his film back he has to pay his friend some money back now anybody can guess who that friend was right Jesus Christ it was Jesus it was <laughs> no it was Charles Manson I guess was the man and so when they finally you know when Kenneth you know forks up the cash and gives the money to this little friend if you will uh, he actually sets a curse on both Bobby and Manson and then that's Pretty much at the same time, I believe, like in 1969, that's exactly when all this shit with the Sharon Tate murders happen. You know, Bobby Boussoulet kills his friend over a botched drug deal, if you will. And all this fucking fucking craziness ensues and shit. Dude, crazy times. It seems like this this time period, it was like the wild, wild west of who can out crazy each other. Like mm-hmm. heroin must have been 
a new thing back and then. And Coke, too. Like, that was, like, popping up, too. Like, it's crazy. Like, you know, like, you have all these, like, young rappers coming up, and they're, like, doing Molly and, like, Xanax and all this shit, and it's, like, super tame compared to, like, the drugs they were doing. Like, even, <laughs> like, acid. Like, it's just, like, Jesus Christ, dude. Like, acid is, like, intense, and they were just doing it, like, no tomorrow. And that was a whole Crowleyism, too, like, where it's just, like, take all these drugs, and which is in the Book of the Law, which, like, you know, Horace tells Aleister Crowley, like, hey, you're going to take all these freaky-deaky drugs, if you will. It kind of says it like that, too. Like, I'm not even trying to paraphrase. It's like, you're going to take these Bro, these drugs. are going to be freaky-deaky, just so you know. <laughs> the, by the way, this is Dr. Phil here. I'm going to tell you about some <laughs> freaky-deaky drugs you're about to take. Uh, you know, do what I will, but here's some freaky, freaky drugs. <laughs> you're going to take some freaky-deaky drugs here. Um, but, um... <laughs> uh, even with that though like with the whole drugs part of the counterculture timothy leary like that's a big dude that comes into play where he has that famous quote like tune in or what is it says um oh fuck i I don't know tune in tune out drop out or something like that oh yeah something like that and i I remember it but i don't really not a not a not on his quotes <laughs> <laughs> but basically like he's this professor at harvard like who like is a big advocate for like drug use if you will which finds his way over to san francisco to hate nashbury or whatever but he actually says it like in many interviews like where he says like hey like i'm an extension of you know alistair crowley and what he stood for like i'm here i've been placed here on this earth to finish alistair crowley's work with you know the use of like mescaline and fucking you know, peyote and fucking LSD and all this shit. And like, he wanted to see, you know, the youth of America start this new age by, you know, in, like getting into themselves or whatever with all these like new experimental drugs, if you will. Drugs are no joke. I'll say that. <laughs> I will say that again. I just said it a little while ago with the whole like Molly and like kind of softer drugs and like smoking weed, smoking weed is like universally loved. Mm-hmm. Um, but, um, Jesus Christ, man, like masculine, like how, what is it even made out of? I, you know what? To kind of go back to like the Clinton Bonnie count episode, like some, some of the shit that's like in some of those drugs, like comes from like adrenaline, like straight from like your body. If you were. I know in like fear and loathing, like they talk about like taking like straight up like human adrenochrome, something like that. Like he's like, Oh, I just took two tabs of like mescaline and like all this other stuff. And I'm like, that's a great movie by the way. Yeah, and that is. movie is like, if those dudes were musicians, they would be like Led Zeppelin or whatever. <laughs> like, um, yeah, I mean, it just seems like those drugs, like there was just no, I remember, I, so I took a rock and roll history class here at BC with oh, Mr. Hell, Martinez. Yes. Did you take that class? Yes, I did. And like he took, he talked about how like, there seems to be like this general perception that the Rolling Stones were like the bad boys of rock and roll. And he was saying like, dude, like the who they would just have like bowls of like random pills, like laid out in like their dressing room and like, like M&Ms. Yeah. yeah. And they would just chug them like after their shows and like trip out and like have like orgies with like random women and possibly men. Cause they were so drugged out. They didn't know what the fuck was going on. Yeah. And like, he was like, yeah, the who is probably like the craziest band. Like, and to, to, to build on top of that, like, I, I was thinking, because, like, 
oh, I, I was in the same thought like when I was doing like my research for this episode. Like, oh man, the Rolling Stones are going to be popping up all over the place because they have like that album that came out like a month after Sgt. Pepper, which is kind of like seen as like the dark version of Sgt. Pepper, which is called their their Satanic Majesty's Request or something like that. And like Mick Jagger's on there with like a magician's like old school Merlin hat or whatever. Uh-huh. It looks like super cartoony, like dark or whatever. And Saturn is in the background and anybody who knows anything about astrology like saturn is satan basically and so like i'm looking at that i'm trying to like feed into it and the only thing i could think only thing that i can find on there with a connection to like aleister crowley was just that oh like kenneth Unger wanted mick jagger to play satan he turned it down but he said like oh i'll film i'll do the score for my invoke invocation of my demon brother but other than that, that that's kind of like where it ends right there with like the rolling stones the rolling stones are kind of like the original nine chanels were like they were in that world and they like lived that world but like they were able to like mature and still create like good music mm-hmm. into their late years like, like 77 now, yeah, like now that dude's still like dancing on stage and he's like you know you could tell he did a lot of heroin but at the same <laughs> time like he looks fine now like his kids are healthy <laughs> he, yeah. like Some he seems like hell. he seems like i don't know i haven't googled his kids <laughs> his daughter's like 29 the- I, I'm not trying to make you sound like a pedophile. I'm just, I yeah, know no, he's yeah. like 70 years old. So I assume his kids are of age. Yeah. They're like our age or older, <laughs> but, but like, I just don't know what they look like. Um, yeah. but yeah, I mean, like he seems like a cool dude. <laughs> he seems like a cool grandpa. It seems like, it seems like yeah. Like, he, yeah, it seems like, like they kind of like dipped their toes in it and like dipped it quickly out. And like, they were on to like the next phase of their life. And, and it seemed like they just loved the craft of music. Like they mm-hmm. were, you know, they matured out of the whole, like, Dungeons and Dragons era of, of, like, their life. And, like, same thing with David Bowie. Like, although David Bowie always kept a, a foot in, like, the dark side, I think. And, like, and, like always, like, even up until, like, Dark Star. Like, mm-hmm. Dark Star has these elements of, like, like, Lazarus and, like, Rebirth and, like, all these, like, elements of, like, of, like, I'm gonna, like, that's a crazy album just because... Hearing someone sing about death, death while they are aware they're gonna die, like crazy, like oh my god, like that guy turned his own death into art, which is like nuts. Yeah, I'm so glad you you brought that up because that was like the next place I was gonna go with this, and like that this to me, like doing research on this topic, like th- I don't want to say this is where I had the most fun because most of the energy went into like covering some of the stuff he did like on black star if you will because there's a lot of cult elements in that mm-hmm. uh, but like you said you know he's always david bowie's always kind of had like his foot like in the occult if you will yeah and this is where i saw like the most parallels between like okay like alistair crowley and you know rock and roll now david bowie he's a bisexual man you know he's very misunderstood and i was watching a lot of his interviews just because I became more fascinated with him, you know, doing research. I went down a whole David Bowie rabbit hole and he was talking about like how, like he's actually a very shy individual. Like he suffers from depression and anxiety. Like he goes, the last place I want to be is like in front of you or in front of anybody else. But I'm seen as this performer that, you know, which he goes, I love, I'm not going to lie, but it's like this dichotomy that he can't quite explain. And like, I get it. And he goes, these different personas, you know, like Ziggy Stardust and then like the Thin White Duke, like all these guys. He goes, these, this is me, you know, trying to break out of, you know, those, those chains, if you will, right? Like that gives me creative freedom, 
you know, by assimilating into somebody else, which is something that was taught to him <laughs> by Aleister Crowley, like teachings from Aleister Crowley. And you can see why. It's just like, okay, he's a um, you know, bisexual man living in very non-accepting times, you know, in London. And then when he said he talks, he goes, some of the most fearsome times is like when he came came out. At first he comes out as gay, I guess he says, like in a magazine um, interview or whatever. But then he later says, no, I'm actually bisexual because I actually prefer women a little bit more over than men. But he goes, that was still taboo. Oh, who said this, David Bowie? Or? David Bowie. Oh, he goes, okay. but it was still, it was more accepting in Europe than it was in puritanical, you know, America, which is something straight out of like the early life of fucking Aleister Crowley, if you will. So, like, I was seeing like all sorts of parallels between the two of them here. And then one of the first mentions of Crowley is actually on Hunky Dory, the album Hunky Dory. It's a song called Quicksand, where he says, I'm close to the golden dawn which is like the first, you know, secret society Aleister Crowley was a part of, like where he's like in the like Egyptian garb or whatever that you see like that famous photo of him with. He goes, I'm closer to the golden dawn immersed in Crowley's uniform of imagery. And then during this time, like you see like all these like photos of like David Bowie, like dressed up just like Aleister Crowley, like, you know, with the whole like Egyptian garb and all sorts of stuff. And like, he kind of transitions into like, you know, you know, Ziggy Stardust and like all these other uh, aliases, if you will, which is again, straight out of like the Thelema playbook. You know, so one of his least popular albums is his album called Heathen. And if you listen to Heathen, I've always thought that that is probably his most like, like Aleister Crawley influenced album. It's not a generally great album. Mm -hmm. Um, because it almost doesn't even sound like a David Bowie album. Like it's it's kind of glitchy. It, it almost sounds like a glitchy indie rock band kind of thing. But um, it's it's interesting just because like lyrically wise, like it's it's things that like he would have maybe would have discussed like uh with like a conversation with with him. Right. It mm-hmm. almost sounds like it's a it's a one sided conversation with someone else that's not really there. But but or I've are they? yeah. But I've always <laughs> thought like the fact that it's called Heathen and it seems to like be very one of his darkest albums, mm-hmm. and and not very pop. It's not you know David Bowie at the end of his day like creates pop music, but this one's not very poppy and that's why it's not so popular compared to all his other albums. But it's it's definitely like worth a listen once and then sh- you can shelve it because it's not that great. Yeah. But um. But it, that album always stuck out to me because it came out when I started getting to David Bowie and it was like back in like, I don't know, like 2001, I think it came out. Was he working with Trent Reznor at that time? So this is after the whole Trent Reznor time period. Um, this is like, yeah, I don't know, 2001. That's actually when I first started getting to David Bowie. It was like 2001 when he then came out. And like, it's just it's just such a strange album because you, you almost, it almost seems like every song is like dedicated to someone. Mm-hmm. And like they're all very much like Aleister Crawley like <laughs> influenced songs. It, it's just worth a list. Even the album cover is like him with like his eyes like whited out, and it's like meant to be like creepy or something. But yeah, like he's been like um, yeah, I know what you're talking about. It looks like he's uh, been possessed or some shit. Yeah, like that. yeah. But it like still teeters like on the pop element of it. Yeah, which yeah. is super weird, um, but cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah. And I believe like the most Crowleyist he got. Like there's actually like a chart <laughs> like of all of his albums and like how Crowley they get. Like was like in like the mid to early seventies. So like 
at one point, like when he was living in LA, he he and I believe like the lead singer for Deep Purple, they were huh. trying to conjure Satan out of his like swimming pool. Out of his swimming pool, all right. Yeah, and I guess he actually thinks he did because he goes, I, w- I couldn't set foot part in my backyard after that. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I, uh, I think he did. <laughs> uh, but then another album that um, he got really super, like you were talking about, like how um, Heathen is like a very dark album. The album that he thinks is his darkest album is an album called Station to Station, uh, which you look at the promo f- um, photos for this, like he's dressed, which comes up later. He's dressed like in this this black jumpsuit with like these chalk lines on it and whatnot, and he's like drawing on the floor like this like weird like it looks like a map if you will. And what that is is like the Kabbalic like stations that get you to like that hierarchy of enlightenment if you will. And I think it's called like the Tree of Life. Like it finds its way like all over like all these weird religions and stuff too. Like, you know, um, I believe Gnosticism and like all these like parallel Christian religions. Like they're not quite Christianity, but like they use like all the same characters, but kind of like assign different characteristics to them and shit. Like where Jesus is actually Satan and Satan is actually the person that's going to lead everyone to the promised land and whatnot. But like it finds itself like in all these different religions and Mm -hmm. Crowley talks about it and he actually incorporates it into Thelema, but David Bowie for these promo photos, like he's drawing that out on, you know, station to station. And, um, he talks about like, Hey, he goes, no one's ever like sussed it out, but he goes, I'm like referencing all sorts of like, you know, Thelemic, uh, spells and conjurings and stuff on it. And you would never think of it because it's a very like funky album. And this, again, another thing that, like, I thought was, like, a weird parallel to um, Aleister Crowley and David Bowie was, is that David Bowie, you really can't put your finger on what he is. Like, a lot of people want to say, like, oh, David Bowie is, like, a pop artist, or he's a rock star, or he does this, or he does white funk music, or this. No, he's actually all of that. And it's the same thing with, like, Aleister Crowley, where it's just, like, oh, a lot of people want to say, oh, no, he's a Satanist, where it's, like, no, he never was a Satanist. Mm-hmm. He's, like, all these, like, things, like, he took from Hinduism. He took from Islam. He took from, you know, these Tibetan monks. He took from, you know, South Africans, like, actual, like, African tribes, like, stuff that they believed, like, old Merlin magic shit. Like, he's just taking all this stuff. The same with, like, David Bowie. Like, you listen to Station to Station, it's a very funky album. Like, if you told me that fucking Lionel Richie fucking executive produced that album, I'd believe you. But he's just like, he goes, that's, he goes, that was part of the allure where it's just like, you know, I was so coked out that I don't remember hardly anything about that album. And he goes, right after he said he conjured Satan out of his swimming pool, that's when he starts to lose, like, memory. It also could have been the cocaine because he, like, said that, like, he goes, I was so high on cocaine all the time. I didn't know what I was doing. But he says he he suspects that when he was doing all these conjurings and all these rituals and all these spells and whatnot, that he actually might have conjured some spirit that morphed itself into the thin white duke that actually helped him create a lot of the music that he created from the early 70s all the way up until, I believe, he moved out of his L.A. mansion and moved to Berlin and got clean and kind of divorced himself from the cult. Oh, yeah. quote unquote. I think so it sounds like you know the fact that you can't ever really pinpoint like what he is I mean that's always that's always a plus cuz like who the fuck wants to be labeled something Yeah. But um you know it sounds like he's 
and Alistair Crowley and like great musicians throughout time, they've always borrowed the best and like or stolen ideas and whatever it may be. There's that Pablo Picasso quote that's like uh, real artists like borrow or something like all artists borrow, but real artists steal like from, <laughs> from other people. Yeah. And it's, have you ever seen that Banksy quote where he takes that same quote and then like scribbles out Pablo Picasso and writes Banksy on it. Yeah. And like that to me is like really important. Cause I mean, even you look at like hip hop music in general, like nobody knew what to make of it when it first came out. It was like sampling everything. And like, it was really interesting. And, and I, I think that that's where like David Bowie is like David Bowie doesn't, care about what what you're going to label him like whether he's like a straight man or a gay man or like or like you know a rock artist or whatever he's like touring with nine Nails one year and like touring with like a jazz band the next a jazz band the next right and like you know heathen wasn't well liked but then like he documents his entire like death or whatever turns his death into artwork and does oh. that whole thing and like it he i mean like he's he never limits himself to what what it what it is that he can be which is like beautiful and it kind of goes back to that whole thing of like because you know like like you are the you are your own god kind of thing you know like there is no like Mm -hmm. this is david bowie trying to trying to be hip with the kids and like he does or he does an acoustic album david bowie's acoustic album or david he kind of does that though like in the early 80s he even says that too he goes this was my phil collins era like yeah (laughs) i mean like there's those moments where it's like whatever like not even heathen i would throw in there where it's like what are we trying to do with heathen but yeah like but for the most part he pretty much stays genuine to himself and like never does his like mm-hmm. surf rock album or whatever <laughs> like malt, malt shop memories album or something <laughs> <laughs> like there is not like a lot of cringy david bowie moments there are some but not not a lot which is gonna happen though like with anybody that puts themselves out there like that like i i i, I there's not one artist that has put out a perfect <laughs> career, if you will, but yeah, yeah. you brought up Black Star. Um, uh, one of the inspirations, like you, you said, like all a great, a good artist like borrow, but a great artist fucking steals. The yeah. pr- big premise of this episode was stolen from Talkish Jericho, where they kind of covered like the same topic. Uh-huh. I already had it in the back of my mind. I want to cover it. He just got to it first. Uh, but like the big part of like that episode is where they do talk about Black Star, like how there's all these like occult. Um, meanings with Crowleyistic meanings like within like the first video Black Star you know like the whole video it's a 10 minute video like I mean fucking put your patience aside and watch it it's it's, it's a really good captivating video but like you see like this um, uh, astronaut this dead astronaut on some planet or the moon or whatever and then this girl with a tail comes in and like opens up like his his visor if you will and a lot of people think like oh it's Major Tom but um bowie came out and said like oh it was a nod to my son who directed like some moon moon movie or whatever like it even has like the patch that was from the movie if you will but he goes yeah the director was like oh he's also talking about you know putting to rest like some of his past like alter egos like ziggy stardust but you know that was you know the major tom if you will but then again he they removed like this like jewel encrusted skull you know from the astronaut suit and throughout the video, like, that skull, like, is, like, you know, taken to, like, this, like, like village to uh, be done, like, some ritual, if you will. And, like, Bowie, like, plays, like, all these different characters like he had throughout his career. And to me, like, I interpret it as, like, oh, he's kind of 
giving you the retrospective of his whole career and he's telling you like oh i am dying you know because that's the whole premise of like his whole album like he's documenting his death and then but you do see like a lot of like you know like occultist rituals like you know the guys dancing up and down and like it's like supposed to be summoning up a spirit if you will and i guess what it what the skull represents is like transferring like his creativity you know to the next generation you know that that we haven't really mentioned it but that album like uh ziggy stardust you mentioned a little while ago that one being tied to this album and like the whole kanye west like tie-ins together of like if you look at the album cover of ziggy stardust it's basically david bowie standing in a doorway and on top of the doorway it says k west and like a lot of it starts off basically saying and like i think the first song he says in five years like we're all going to know your name or something like that. And I think five years from when that album was released was when Kanye West was born. Yeah. And like the fact that he named his last album black star was kind of like symbolic of like this black star that's going to replace me essentially. Uh huh. And people were saying like, Oh, is he referring to Kanye West as like the black star or whatever? Like yeah. there's this whole tie in. And I don't know if he like meant to do a little like jab at that. I'm sure he had heard those rumors of like the old K West and like mm-hmm. the fact that he was born five years after the album. There's there's some ties to that, and I'm maybe he played around with that as well. Mm-hmm. And maybe he, he likes jokes and puns. Oh, I'm I'm sure he does. Because when you watch any <laughs> any fucking interview with David Bowie, like he's always like you know telling jokes or whatever, or having or making fun of himself, if you will. But even Lazarus too, like has a lot of occult you know symbolism in there, and like that skull makes a an appearance. Um, they conjure out the David Bowie character that appeared on station to station where I was talking about that whole black jumpsuit with like those chalk lines or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like that guy like literally comes out of like this wardrobe that's like in his hospital room where he's dying at. And he's like frivolously like writing like, you know, old David Bowie is like on cocaine, like trying to write, you know, lyrics, if you will, or write music. And he's like, Oh wow. Like this, this is me putting my creativity to rest. If you will, like kind of like showing like, Hey, yeah, like this, the occult played a big part of my career. Like, it's fucking super interesting to see. One of the big things that he referenced when he was making that album was, I remember he had done this interview where he said that, like, Death Grips was his biggest influence on that album, which is weird. But again, like, it ties into, like, Death Grips is one of their biggest influences mm-hmm. is Aleister Crowley. So it's like, it all kind of ties in together. Yeah. And you mentioned Kanye West, and kind of to, like, wrap up this whole episode, you mentioned Kanye West, who was a big affiliate with Jay-Z, like, He's been seen to wear, you know, an Aleister Crowley quote on a sweatshirt, do what thou wilt. Beyonce, I guess, uh, Black is King, like that's on Disney Plus or whatever. Like that's like, that should be its own episode on its own. Like I, I wanted to bring her in on this episode, but I was like, that's its own episode altogether. Like Beyonce has like a Baphomet fucking ring, like all these fucking symbolisms where she throws up like the 666 to her eye, like even the all seeing eye fucking for the Rockefeller, like all this shit is just like, I guess ripe with like occult ritualism, like even more so than the Beatles, even more so than Led Zeppelin, where it's just like, oh shit, like that's a whole episode on its own. But like, you you do see these people, like Red Hot Chili Peppers, one of their most famous albums is Blood Sugar Sex Magic, where the recording of that album was took place in a haunted mansion in Hollywood, and as it turns out, John Frusciante was actually reading Aleister Crowley books, and he actually left the Peppers, I believe, not too much after recording that album to record his own solo album where 
basically every song was a, pretty much a love letter to Crowley. I always wanted to check out that place. You know, that place, a lot of bands have recorded there. Mm-hmm. My favorite album of all time was recorded there. It's funny because, like, Chino was, uh, when they were doing White Pony and they were recording it in that same place, he uh, he was so creeped out that he actually didn't want to record there, so he got a hotel down the street. Yeah. And he just recorded the rest of the album from the hotel and just come over. And then Chi, the bass player, um, he wanted to leave, but he was, like, so fascinated by, by like, the ghost or whatever. He said uh-huh. that one night after they had done, like, recording, um, there was, like, an entire day of, like, just recording his bass parts, and he was just, like, exhausted. He went to bed, and he saw, like, a, a woman crawling on his roof. Yeah. And he was just, like damn, this is going to be a good album. <laughs> and like, so he did not want to leave. <laughs> As was John Frusciante. He said he never left that fucking place. Um, to, to tie that mansion in um, and then to tie, you know, Charles Manson back into this, uh, Roman Polanski, I guess he held like wild sex magic orgies there. That's how the Peppers got the name for mm-hmm. that album, Sex Magic. It's like he had like sex magic orgies that were there. He was heavily involved with, you know, sex magic. Um we previously covered, you know, L. Ron Hubbard and Jack Parsons, you know, who helped set the groundwork, you know, for NASA's, you know, Apollo 11 mission. They did like a hymn to Pan, which is like from the book of, you know, or which is from the book of the law um, by, you know, Aleister Crowley before every rocket experiment. Um, L. Ron Hubbard goes on to start the Church of Scientology. Um, Anton LaVey, him and Kenneth Anger, they start the Church of Satan, which they take a lot of things from Aleister Crowley on that. Um, Ozzy Osbourne, I, you know, he has that famous song, which I think anything past Ozzy Osbourne's song, like Mr. Crowley, I think any mention of Aleister Crowley in music kind of like is just for show. Cause like, it's just like, Oh, we gotta be evil. We gotta, you know, we gotta incorporate Aleister Crowley in here because Ozzy's the one that pretty much makes his name, like, you know, a household name at this point, you know, in 1980, when he releases Blizzard of Oz, this album right here just ripe with that but Ozzy was just like I hear like all my heroes the Beatles Led Zeppelin talking about Aleister Crowley who is this guy and that's all he's doing in that song Mr. Crowley he's just asking like who were you like in Bob Daisley the uh, basis for Ozzy he was the one that was actually into Crowley and he was kind of like teaching Ozzy about him and actually showed him um, I guess Aleister Crowley has his own tarot deck that he made Mm -hmm. and so he was like showing him that and so which that kind of transitions Ozzy away from Black Sabbath to his own thing. Uh, the Doors get associated with Aleister Crowley on this album, 13, which is an unholy number. Um, but on the back of this album, it said that, you know, the Doors are standing around or sitting around a bust of Aleister Crowley. I don't know if you guys can see that or not. I'll put that up to the camera and I'll show that to Art. Yeah, that's him. It's not him. <laughs> it's actually a, a Beethoven. It's uh, a bust of Beethoven. So. Why is he bald? Is Beethoven bald? I thought Beethoven wore wigs. So when you look at... um Oh, he does have hair. Yeah. So when you look at the actual photo photo of like this photo shoot, like there's multiple photos of this. Um, it's actually, you know, it's it's fractured. Like this, the statue like is missing some of its, its parts or whatever. And so it's just... It's just positioned right, so it looks like an actual like face or what, if you will. But it's obviously it's a, like one of those statues that rich people have like in their house, like of like Mozart or Be- Beethoven or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the the photographer was like, "Oh, that looks creepy. Let me put some shadowing on it." And people think it's Aleister Crowley. It's not. Um, 
Shit, who else? Uh, Stevie Nicks. Uh, she says that Confession- Confessions of a Drug Fiend by Aleister Crowley was the main inspiration for many of her early solo albums. Uh, Daryl Hall um, has an album from Hollow Notes fame uh, called Se- Sacred Songs. And he says that he was when he was recording that album that he was super into the occult and the Kabbalah and that he actually be for this album that he actually contacted and became Baphomet for this album and that he is he is me and I am him and pretty cool which is weird considering like Holland Oates like they write the most like stereotypical yeah. like elevator music of all time but just to show you like the reach that Crowley has like he even inspires bad music as well yeah oh I'm sure dude I'm sure I mean Damn, it, you know it, it's funny you you bring up Beyonce, and I think Beyonce is probably like, um, like the most obvious one. Like she's very open about like her artwork and the symbolism and like everything that she uses. It seems to be very like what's that what's that movie called the um the one with Tom Hanks and they're like looking at the dollar bill for clues and shit. Oh, National Treasure. Na- or something. No, I don't think it's National Treasure, but um, the Da Vinci Code. Oh, there you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and she seems to like go down like this Da Vinci Code of like, of like web of like things to add to her music on mm-hmm. purpose, and she seems very fascinated fascinated by it. It's it's funny that we talked about like Robert Patterson and like the uh, Patreon episode, but um, like there's an ep- there's a picture of her like hanging out with Death Grips. I know I keep bringing up Death Grips, but but they're always like. It's her Death Grips and Robert Patterson all together, and like, it's like the the weirdest picture because it's like a group of people you wouldn't think would hang out together, but they all share that common denominator of like love for the occult, I guess. Uh huh. And like, I mean, it's interesting, but I don't view it as anything more than like a love for like if I was into like one very specific thing that I'm very passionate about, like if it was like punk music. Or like artsy fartsy like indie movies or something like that. I just get something out of it. Where it's just like fuck that like really tickles my fucking spirit whenever like I see this dude's like direction of like in his movies or like if I see like or like I don't know like Slayer like Slayer like just fucking makes me want to mosh every time you know like <laughs> yeah like if you just share like which is like cartoony Satanism yeah yeah that's more cartoony Satanism but I think that. Whatever it may be, like sometimes you just connect with someone on like their passion on something and it's and you just can bond over it and like geek out over it and like really go down these like elements of like what helps you get there to like mm-hmm. create music without thought and sometimes and like that's its own like spiritual level of like of creation, I guess. And like maybe they just bond over that shit. Yeah. Who knows? I mean I think what like a lot of people like and I'm talking about people I'm talking about like Christians or conservatives or like even people that are just like grew up you know within you know that mind frame if you will like this is seen kind of like a threat to like their belief system or whatever where you know as opposed to like worshiping a god that you serve like you're actually serving yourself which in the bible I guess like any any selfish you know inclination like that's like servitude to satan if you will but what if you don't believe in all that? What if like your your belief system lies beyond that? And that's like where I always have like a weird like 
back and forth like in my mind like i know i shouldn't be like dabbling like with music that talks about this shit but goddamn like led zeppelin 4 is such a good fucking like record like all those led zeppelin songs are fucking badass the beatles are badass like david bowie fucking amazing but but let me but let me it and then like it always like comes in my mind where it's just like oh that's that's taking me away from god or whatever and then like i think of it because you always like because I listened to like a conspiracy theory podcast to get ready for this episode. Uh-huh. And they were talking about all this, like it's all, you know, the Illuminati, that Aleister Crowley was the original Illuminatiist, you know, cause he was in the Masons and whatnot. And like their whole goal is to destroy Christianity, which Aleister Crowley said. And, you know, they want you to join the occult and join all this stuff. And I was like, I'm listening to all this stuff. And you said at the beginning, like, it's all about like, making yourself a god or it's all like introspective it's all about making yourself a better person it's not about like i'm gonna make myself a better person and then convert you into the occult like i don't think i've ever seen that from jimmy page ever seen that from john lennon or uh fucking (laughs) daryl hall or anything like that it's all it's all about like themselves like them worshiping themselves you know at the worst of it or whatever if you will is never about like, oh, I'm going to make little Jacob Pixton into a little Satanist, if you will. It's never been about that. And I think when you get like Christians, they get like, for example, from this Hell's Bells, you know, VHS, like when it doesn't subscribe to their belief system and you see people having their own belief system and having success with it, I think it, I, I think it fucks with people like within those confines. And, like, when I'm, like, doing my own thing, like, where I'm talking, like, where I'm back and forth about it, I think that's where you got to be an adult about it, where it's just, like, there's obviously, like, bands, like, black metal bands from Norway that, like, legitimately are, like, fucked up murderers and shit. Yeah, yeah. And, like, they're, they they misinterpret the cartoon aspects of, like, a Slayer, or they feed too much into the Jimmy Page aspect of, you know, the cult of Led Zeppelin, and then they try to take it to a whole new level, like, where they're murdering strangers and trying to you know, recruit people into like their fucking, you know, murderous (laughs) fraternities, if you will. But like, I don't, all these artists that we talked about, like, I really don't see that from them. So it's like one of those things that like when I'm looking at this stuff or it's just like when I, when I, when I see like that, do what thou wilt, a lot of people just focus on that and they don't look at the other part of it, like under the law of love, like where it's just like, okay, like love for what? And it's always, it always circles back love for yourself. So at the end of the day, it's just these selfish people that are just being selfish unto their own selves. It's not affecting me, if you will. Yeah. I mean, which I mean, I could, I guess, politically, if you get down the, but (laughs) but see, even like when you get down to like the whole political part of it, like the thing that's always like interesting to me is I've always viewed as creation as like the, you know, like that to me is like God's work. Like the Mm -hmm. fact that you can create, like God is creating through you kind of thing. And you can call it Satan. You can call it whatever you want to call it. But like, I've always just viewed it as like, there's just one higher power and that's it. Like creation is that higher power. There's, there, I think that there's something larger than us, mm-hmm. but I, I don't believe in like good and evil. Cause I think they're the same coin, just different sides of it. Which is and, like a part of Thelema. Yeah. So like, I mean, you know, what, whatever, even evil to me could be good to you. I mean, the pain, you know, whatever it may be. And that's why we have two different political parties. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> yeah. But I mean, and that boils down to the whole like thought of like, even the devil can quote scripture to fit his purpose. And like, mm-hmm. that's something I really believe in because I think that that's something that fucks with Christians a lot of times that, 
that the obvious good is not necessarily good. And I think you always have to keep that in mind that not necessarily everything that looks evil and looks bad and looks scary is bad. You need to be able to be more intellectual and let that like thing that God gave you, like the brain, yeah, use <laughs> like it. really use that to like to get to like the truth because not everything is obvious and not everything is not everything that shines is gold. Yeah. So it's pyrite. Yeah. Fool's gold for those who ain't geologists, if you will. But super interesting topic. Thank you, Art, for <laughs> giving the pass on that. But again, like I said last week, I hear my baby crying in the background and it looks like you need to go eat some dinner. So with that said, everybody, please make sure you check us out on all of the social medias at Art and Jacob Do America. Except for Twitter, we are at Art and Jacob Do A1. Uh, please make sure you're joining the Facebook group where you know we post you know, some interesting articles and shit. I believe Art posted an article today about how Trump's never paid. They found today. They have found today that Trump has only paid $750 in federal taxes oh, the true, last 15 yeah. years, which is fucking amazing. So if you want to get in on those discussions and, you know, side discussions from past episodes and whatnot, go join the Facebook group. Um, if you want to help us out, go to the Patreon. You know, hey, just subscribe $1 a month. $1 a month will get you all sorts of extra goodies and shit like got those ride the lightning stickers i'm going to be mailing some more of those out some el yucateco swag uh, if you bump up to the five dollar tier, tier you'll get the, the 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 episodes that we're referencing the patreon episodes uh you get to hear us you know talk about like movies and more light-hearted subjects if you will uh, but those are always fun to do i quite enjoy doing them every I, l- week. I love doing them they get the conversation juices flowing hell yeah and as well as make sure you check out you know the pod belly network we are proud members of the pod belly network where you can check out other great podcasts such as the rrbg podcast the rock and roll Bill beer guy podcast who you might recognize from an episode we did with him in April. He is now an official member. Oh of wow, really? Yeah, That's cool. Yeah, he's now an official member. He's getting that. He's getting that tackle money just like us now, um, as well as podcasts we listen to. Um, I did an episode with him not too long ago, about a, I want to say a couple months ago, um, as well as Kim and Ket uh, try to stay alive. We should be doing an episode with them next week. So fingers crossed, everything comes together <laughs> everything plans out man nobody fucking conjures satan in their swimming pool and uh we can make that shit happen but well that said art do you have anything else you want to add to this um no no yeah i mean shout out to i was just on an episode of uh of Slumbusters podcast we talked about football we talked about a little bit of basketball but pretty much it was all all football episodes if you like sports if you like it when we do sports essentially that we'd pick Every team which uh, played today. I think there's one more game tomorrow. Um, but uh, for the most part, you get to hear my picks, which I don't remember. I'm pretty sure I got them all wrong. So <laughs> um, that's I did pick the Bears, and he was like, there's no way the Bears are going to win. And they won. And they won it. So, yes, so. Um, <laughs> Also, too, make sure you check us out on Twitch every week, too, like where we, we stream these episodes live. And if you don't have that time of patience to sit down and watch us figure shit out live on Twitch, just subscribe to our YouTube where I'll give you a nice, snazzy, glossy version of the video. So with that said, Art, anything else? Hit us up on artjacobdoamerica.com. It's got links to everything. Yeah, so with that said, everybody, do what thou wilt. Yeah, do that. <laughs>